0: Hello, my name is John Brink, and we are podcasting on the brink from downtown Prince George, the capital of Northern British Columbia, and absolutely a beautiful day in uh, uh, Northern BC. And I have have a very, very special guest today. It is Sarah Mayer, Sarah Story, from the mayor of Fraser Lake.
1: Thank you for having me. Sarah,
0: welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: So you are a northern girl right so you grew up virtually in the north tell me a little bit about your past. yeah no,
1: I, well I was born in uh, North Vancouver actually so there's the first north but uh, the, then we traveled farther and uh, we went to uh, Prince George I lived here most of my life I, I left
0: some yeah
1: I left here in 2005 and moved to Fraser Lake but I, yeah, I grew up here in Fraser or in Prince George and then I uh, Went to Kelly Road and I went to Blackburn and I went to Hart Highway. It was a long it, it was a, a long time here and and yeah. I still call it home in many ways. I, right. my sister's still here. I, my family did a lot here in Prince George and we yeah. still do.
0: And then you worked in the forest industry. Worked for worked for Paul Lumber, or their
1: well, I worked for Winton Global actually. Yeah, Originally, Global. I I was in their their marketing department, and okay. then I went to West Fraser and did accounts payable and other things there. And uh, yeah, I've been in the forestry industry a little bit here and there, but not 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 hugely compared to some people.
0: But you were always close to it, right? So
1: I feel like we're part of it because we're a big conservation family. So yeah. we're always hunting and fishing, and we rock collect. We're always out in the out in nature enjoying it too and yeah my parents were part of spruce city wildlife association and bc wildlife federation my right. mom's a wildlife artist so there's a lot of stuff that we do in the great outdoors
0: yeah and then looking at your uh, at your background you worked on the bank for a period of time
1: yeah i worked here on third avenue before the bank burnt down on central the bank of montreal oh so i my worked god
0: that's a long time ago yeah
1: it was a long time ago that was yeah, one of was my jobs at worked... the
0: hotel then. That uh, yes, used to it was be there? part of
1: the Yellowhead Hotel. Yeah. yeah,
0: the whole hotel burned down and all the other things around it.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a sad day. It was actually in Grand Forks visiting my Baba, um, and uh, all of a sudden I got a phone call saying, "Hey, the bank is burning down on on Central." So that was a big day, so we had to change the way all the employees worked and amalgamated, yeah. and yeah, it changed a lot actually.
0: But it's kind of interesting. They rebuild the bank virtually in the same location, plus or minus, yeah. right, on central, west central, right?
1: Yeah, and then they got rid of the other one on third, which is kind of yeah. sad, but.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of lot of jobs, actually, in this town, in this region, so it's been good.
0: So then you want to Fraser Lake, or did you go to Van der Hoef? No, I
1: went to Fraser Lake, and um, and then I ended up commuting to the District of Vanderhoof. I was a manager of recreation in Vanderhoof for a couple years before I had children, and it was a it was a good experience, a really great job. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then you ended up in Fraser Lake.
1: Yeah, so that was kind of an interesting uh, scenario. I thought, oh, we'll move to Fraser Lake, we'll be there a couple years, and then it apparently I decided to stay for life and then uh, became the mayor. I don't know how that all happened, but that's where I am yeah, at. Yeah, always wonder,
0: doesn't <laughs> it? And, and you were on council first, right?
1: Yeah, I ran for, well, I actually ran no. for mayor in 2014 and lost by 49. I was not on council at that time. Right. And then I ran into by-election a few months later and then got on and was on council for just over three and a half years-ish. And then I ran for mayor again in 2018. I got on and then I ran again and nobody ran against me this time. So I was acclaimed. So, so how
0: many years have you been mayor, sir?
1: This will be my fifth year right now. Yeah.
0: That's a long time uh, in the mayor's position.
1: It went by really quick, though. Yeah. Like it, it, you're so busy, like the years, the months just fly by. Yeah. I, I, I literally plan my life in years now, not months or weeks or days.
0: Yeah. So can you talk about your children? Have you got...
1: Yeah, I have two boys, Hunter and Rylan. They're how, how, al-
0: how old are they?
1: Ryland is 11, and he loves dancing, and he's just an outdoors kid. all he's always yeah. at skateboard park or doing something fun. They both love hockey. We're hunter's Hunter's 12; he'll be 13 in April, and he loves hockey. And he's a smart, smart kid. They both are. They're just really good humans. Yeah, and that's what makes me happy. I did something right as a Amazing. as a parent.
0: How quick it goes, right?
1: It yeah. I don't know where the I time went. I have two daughters
0: <laughs> and. Uh, you know like uh, I still know today that we want to de- deliver them here in Prince George going in the elevator and now I look back and that's 40 some odd years ago just yeah. like that gone.
1: It goes really quick really I don't know quick, how yeah. they got that that old that quick but they're they're good kids I'm proud of them every day. Were you okay, always mom? kind
0: of thinking about politics? No. How, how, did, how did it happen then?
1: <laughs> well I guess when you start working for a municipality you know, mm. some things start changing maybe in your mind. Then that that might be part of how I got to where I am. But I I guess I decided well, if I'm living in this community, I better I better make it better. And I was putting on I'm a I'm big on volunteerism. I anywhere I go I. I tote I volunteerism, like every single person should volunteer. It's very right. important, especially for a resume for youth. But I, I volunteered for everything. I was, you know, yeah. I started a registered charity called Autumn Services with my mother-in-law that helps seniors age in place, yeah. which created more obvious op- avenues for me. And right. I was just working for, I was working for Work BC and I was working when the mine closed, they asked me to yeah. work for them. I was working for the College of New Caledonia, yeah. doing the job options program and the CalP program and all of these different things things and community spirit family fun day and the dance and socials and there was all these different events and options and things that just needed to happen in Fraser Lake and I've been the president of the ball league for I think 12 years or something ridiculous but we just needed people to step up and I thought well if I'm gonna have kids and then I had kids and then I'm gonna stay in this community then I better step up and and make it better. There's no point in complaining about something, if you're not going to try to fix it.
0: Exactly. Stepping up to the plate, right? So, uh, so so the, the other part then is for our guests that are watching, uh, and we have a lot of guests watching from all over, uh, you know, and even from around the world. Actually, we had a guest uh, last week, I don't know if you saw it or not. Uh, uh, This one is this again, this is episode number 83, I believe. And then we have done about, uh, before that, about 15 or 16 other ones with, 20, 25 I think, other ones with Shaw before that. Uh, but uh, last week what we did is we did a virtual, with a fellow in Sweden, uh, Jan Hedberg. I've known him for a long time. And he was, uh, you know, uh, uh, in Sweden, central Sweden, Sunsfall. And I was here. It's amazing what technology will do. And if you watch it, it looks like CNN, the two people are close together. We have all our equipment. Uh, Andrew is, uh, had a lot to do with that. And Scott, uh, you know, kind of making sure that we have a very, very professional uh, studio. And uh, so we uh, we, uh, were comparing the forest industry in Sweden and the one in BC. And uh, I think uh, we have about close to 100,000 views right now.
1: That's awesome.
0: About three, three days ago that we did it, three, four days ago. So it's, it's, it's being impressive. watched all over the world. That's great. So for that reason, uh, I just want to say that uh, uh, the mayor of Vanderhoof will not like that when I say that, but I say <laughs> Prince George is in the center of... The province, although he would say, mm, "No, stop, is Vanderhoof." Okay, uh, I give him that one. Yeah. So, and but then, how far is Fraser Lake from here?
1: It's about an hour and a half
0: hour but and a half about it depends 100, 100 on how k's? fast you
1: drive but yeah, yeah. yeah it should be about an hour and 45.
0: <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah. so about 120 k's or yeah 150
1: maybe yeah yeah about, about that yeah yeah and how
0: many people in Fraser Lake uh, there's so. about
1: 1100 in town and then the yeah. coastal gas link camp outside of the community and then there's about Two, three thousand in the region at any given time because it's a big area, a lot of lakes. And yeah. the North Shore of Fraser Lake and Francois Lake and Ndako and the Notley Witten and the Slat and First Nation communities on are on either side of the community. It, it's as well. an
0: amazing outdoors community area <laughs> yeah. there because you got all the lakes around here and the outdoors here in yeah. all of northern British Columbia, but also Fraser Lake, obviously, uh, is amazing, right? The uh, lakes and
1: beautiful we have a lot of potential in Fraser Lake too being only an hour and a half ish from from Prince George I mean a lot of people you know utilize Prince George as a hub too but Fraser Lake is a hub for our you know our little area there and there's a lot of people that come through and and, uh, and, and visit to, with their boats or whatever they might be doing right. or go hunting or fishing. But it's, yeah. a, it's an, a really nice area to live in.
0: So if you look at uh, Fraser Lake now, the, what industry is there? I know there is lumber. There's a sawmill. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, right now, uh, West Fraser Sawmills is down to one shift, so the sawmill isn't... That's West Fraser, Yeah, that's West Fraser, and it's not, like, obviously the best situation that we've seen with forestry. Um, And Daco Mine has been closed for a lot of years now, and we're not seeing that... Will that open up again? Well, we're we're hoping, but there's no... What is it mining? Malignum. Okay. Yeah, so it's a hardener that goes into steel, so... Okay. Yeah, it's... It, it helps harden the steel, and that's just something that obviously is needed. So in, in times where you need to produce more mm. steel, the price goes up, and right now that price has been pretty high steadily for quite a long time. But right. the owners of um, uh, Mount Milligan, they're into gold, so they don't really mine the all yet, but we're hoping one day they, they might want to take that on or even offload it and sell it to a company that might want to yeah. make you know make some money on that but so
0: there is no lack of uh uh the right malignum in the property it's just a question of the economics right?
1: yeah because it the, the price of malignum went down so low that yeah. they just weren't making money and when they built they built a, a bigger plant and when they did that then you know th- their costs and outweighed you know what what they were making and they just couldn't keep going but hopefully it opens again one day. Where is the
0: location vis-a-vis downtown Fraser Lake?
1: It, it's about 15 minutes west.
0: So it's, uh, then- it's right part of your community right
1: yeah it really is I mean most of the people you know there's about 300 workers that that lived in the community that that commuted every day up there and back and that was nice versus what we have now which is predominantly camp jobs
0: yeah and then the the on the lumber side is West Fraser that has had that mill for quite a number of years
1: yeah it's it actually was originally in Fraser Lake at White Swan Park. They had the mill there before and they moved it farther down the lake and it's been there a long time and it uh employed a lot of people over the years yeah. and we're hoping it still continues on if the you know it's hard with the price of lumber right now obviously so as when you know did it
0: go down to one shift.
1: Oh, that would have been last year. I'm not. I can't remember what month now, but it was last summer. I think I was in. I was in and I got a phone call that it was going down another. It was going down another shift. So I want to say July, August. It went. So was it it running
0: uh, two shifts?
1: Yeah, four days a week. Went from four to three to two to one. So yeah, it's it's been just. And I wouldn't say slowly. It's quite quickly. It's been going, going down. Uh, downshifts and it's been really you know it impacts the entire region because not, not everybody works from Fraser Lake. Exactly. There it's Vanderhoof you know, Windaco, Fort Fraser there's lots of people that work. Well there the, the, the
0: multiplier is usually if for every job there is two indirect jobs or even sometimes three indirect jobs so the impact on the region and the community is very significant, right?
1: That's right. And when I got the phone call, actually, it, you know, they were like, oh, it'll be about 77 workers. And I said, 77 workers just at the sawmill. That doesn't include the tr- include the truckers. That doesn't include, you know, all the equipment operators. And a lot of those people in our region, you know, they own their own equipment. They have their own forestry, you know, exactly. their own businesses. And they're, they're, they have loans on some of that equipment. So all of a sudden, if they go... You know, we can't afford to pay our loans, which is what we saw, um, you know, a few years ago when, when everything crashed, too. Yeah, when, when when everything crashed.
0: With COVID. Uh,
1: with, well, no, with lo- the lumber market <coughs> that
0: before uh, COVID. Yeah, 2007,
1: 2008,
0: 2009.
1: There was, yeah, mm-hmm. I, well, I think i just become mayor. So in 2018, when the markets really yeah. crashed and yeah. people had to pay their stumpage rates, which yeah. had skyrocketed, all of a sudden we saw this you know, the sawmills going down shifts and when they when that happened in, in Fraser Lake, it really impacted our community and and we saw those 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 workers and those owners go, What do we do? We're gonna have to, you know, declare bankruptcy or whatever might happen here. So we ended up hiring them, a lot of those workers actually at our community forest. we were up to about seventy workers at our community forest that opened shortly after. So it, it, it worked out actually okay at that point because all of a sudden we could hire those people right but at that moment it did not feel very good no. for anybody in our no, in very our significant region right. and that was our first real major cut at that sawmill that we saw
0: yeah, yeah. <coughs> uh, and up to that point uh, you know the uh, the pine beetle uh was very very devastating but in the short term from 2000 till about 15, 2015, 16, 17, they had a major uplift, yep. you know, and then obviously had to come back down to where it was before, and then even less than that. And that's kind of where we are right now. Right?
1: Yeah. And Fraser <laughs> Lake is one of those interesting communities that's in between two TSAs. So the Prince George and the Lakes TSA. So we we could kind of grab from both if it worked out and things, you know, with everything that was going on with the markets and then how we were working with our community forest yeah. and what was going on with the First Nation communities. There was all that balance trying to be found and and I don't know if it's been found yet. I was part of the coalition and the Lakes TSA and we sent recommendations off to the premier and uh, nothing's really happened with that yet. So we're waiting to hear if, you know, you know things can change and we've asked for an uplift with our community forest as well because we i think we've done a really great job with our community forest i have to tell you right. it you know uh, i can show you later but the pictures that we have with our community forest the retention of all the juvenile trees that we leave behind we were using european methods to really keep uh, a lot of those juvenile trees and, and to protect the streams and it doesn't look like a complete clear cut and we were making sure we were using every piece of fibre so we were selling everything to every single place we could. So. You know, pulp and fiber to everywhere, and we were making sure that we were doing the environment justice and and the people. We weren't probably making as much money as the majors were, right. in some ways, because we were doing things slower on purpose to right. be purposeful to the right. to the environment and to.
0: How much volume do you have?
1: Well, we've logged since uh, we've harvested um, about 400,000 cubic meters now. Is that
0: your license that? You you have no
1: it was about 46,000 cubic meters annual. a year. Yeah. yeah. And and it, it's kind of it wavered a bit because of the, the the mountain pine beetle so it was that was what we were offered originally but right. it's it's kind of fluctuated if right. that makes sense. And then but most of the stuff that we're harvesting is damaged trees. So we're going into areas that, you know, typically the majors don't want. Right. And we're and we made really good like we were really lucky. We actually made a really good Um, amount of money to help our community and that's why I love community forests because then you can be sustainable on your own right right which is I think really important for a community like ours that was really struggling with industry
0: yeah so just for the benefit of our guest is that uh, you know what we are talking about really is that uh, in British Columbia there is a annual allowable cut of the uh, forest Uh, on the coast and then the interior for a total of about 60 million cubic meters annually then in the interior in particular uh, for a period of about 10 12 years during the time of the pine beetle it uplifted to about 80 million It then went back to 60 now it's probably closer to around 35 to 40 and because especially because of the pine beetle 1819, 171819. We had lots of fires that reduced the annual allowable cut further. And obviously, uh, since that time, there have been other uh, shifts within the AEC. More timber by law is being committed to First Nations. Uh, that's a good thing, and uh, and and they will also share in the revenue. And then the other one was. Uh, Bit of controversial actually is uh, diver, uh, deferrals of old growth. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I support that. The only thing, but most people don't fully understand, is that we, including myself in a lot of cases, before kind of refer to old growth as these massive timbers down the coast. And, but old growth could also include trees about this size in the interior simply because they are over 150 years old. Yeah. That's not good. And so that's still hopefully a work in progress. Uh, and then you do, we do. I'm also uh, quite involved in Kofi. I'm the longest serving board member as well as the vice chair of Kofi, amazingly. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, so we are quite vocal about that part. And then the other part, as part of the intentions paper, is that uh, to stimulate secondary manufacturing. And uh, we have been, as a company, uh, the brand group of companies have been very active in that. We have a major operation here in Prince George. uh, Have had that for the last nearly 50 years. And uh, then an operation in Vanderhoof, as you likely know, Vanderhoof Specialist is one of our companies, and another one in Houston. I believe that it's good potential and more value-added manufacturing. We have to add more value to the forest that we have. But compared to other forests in the rest of the world, we are very, very fortunate with the type of forest we have, and the quality that we have of forest, and the potential for further manufacturing of the value chain. So I would hope that we in the future will do more of that and change policies that will stimulate that and attract capital?
1: There's a lot of potential with our forests and looking at what we've done with our community forests using stands that nobody really wanted and cleaning up those forest floors is really important for our region. As you mentioned, we have a lot of fires and we've been having a lot around Fraser Lake and that you know obviously reduces our AAC, but the potential to use some of that even that burnt wood we've talked about these things you know how long is that wood good for so there's been talks around 48 months 24 months but regardless it you know we should be getting in there when you only have the bottoms burnt about like this much off the top and then you have all this perfectly good tree that's going to end up falling down I, I'm of the understanding you know the moose habitats are doing much better in Fraser Lake where we have went and cleaned up the floors. There is obviously, you know, decomposition and things that nutrients that need to go back into the ground for sure. But when you have places where you're seeing all the trees just down and it's just a mess because all of the beetle kill, that's not normal. That Normally a fire would come through and clean that up anyway, regardless. And that's not really always happening. What you have
0: is an, area-based tenure rather than a volume-based tenure. And so a lot of the tenures that we have in the industry throughout the province are volume-based tenures. And a lot of times the industry or whoever owns that communities will not necessarily invest in that because they do not reap the benefits of it by having it as area-based then by intensive forestry. You can virtually, and I, I would suggest you watch my podcast with uh, John Hetstrom comparing uh, the two countries together. Similar forest actually, very, very amazingly similar to ours where they're growing virtually twice double the amount of fiber per hectare from what we do. And that is precisely doing what you were saying, uh, Sarah. Is making sure that it's room to grow. Yeah. Don't use chemicals on to suppress uh, no. all of that, and uh, and managing it more. So I'm uh, certainly a big supporter of uh, community forest. You know. So
1: I think the community forest is the the one positive thing that's come out of the last few years with COVID and everything else. It's just really brought positive change and feeling to our community. It's been a it's it's just been great to see all of the good that's come out of it with all there's so many things like yeah. we're really proud of it actually yeah. I have to tell you just our staff have done a really great job too and I have to give kudos to them and we've hired some really good people to get it done and we could have went through a major company and and you know we could have taken a a, a lower rate and we we negotiated and Nice. And we sold it for fair market value instead. And we did some really innovative things throughout. It's good for the community. It was because the community was really, really struggling at the time. Yeah. And you, you really got to put the community first. And I really talk about social responsibility with industry a lot. And that's something that really needed to kind of happen in our area. Yeah. And working on that with industry has been really important to me.
0: Yeah. Now, now the other thing that's going on today in particular, we are at the Northern uh, and Natural Resource uh, uh, meetings happening today, tomorrow and Friday. And a lot of people are here, uh, very good speakers and including the new premier of the province. And uh, uh, obviously just before this all happened, uh, we had uh, an announcement uh, coincidental uh, by for to close down one of their pulp mills, uh, yeah. you know, the uh, 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 Prince George pulp, uh, especially their pulp line, mm-hmm. not so much their paper line. And, uh, you know, and that will affect direct jobs about 300, very significant.
1: We just had a meeting with Artemis Gold, and they're looking for a lot of workers, so we're hoping that some of those workers, if they need jobs, maybe can there they were they were talking about that today I'm really really sorry for the people that have lost their jobs that they've had a really you know long career with some of these people have you know I grew up with their parents you know they've been working there a long time and and now their kids are working there so it's it's uh, it's really hard to see any industry in any community go down and the the impacts are felt so broadly to to not just not just this community like all the communities that surround it too exactly we 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 feed into each other we really do so if something happens in Vanderhoof it does impact Prince George and something happens in Fraser Lake it impacts Burns Lake no
0: question about that northern BC in particular all those communities are very, very closely together, including going through the south, quanal uh, uh, Williams Lake. We saw that again, how closely they all worked together during the at a time of a disastrous period when we had all the fires, how all those communities work so closely together. And now coming back to the pelt mills, uh, I mm-hmm. came here in 1965. And uh, that's when they were, uh, and, and when I came, uh, That was my dream. Uh, We were liberated by the Canadians uh, in Holland, April the 12th, 1945. Made such an impression on me that I knew, I was only five years old, was born in 1940. I knew, I knew then already when I was five years old, I would go to the lands of my heroes, uh, Canada. For me, it was just a matter of time. Not if, but when. Then I tried to go when I was 17 and my parents wouldn't let me and uh, then I was drafted in the uh, Dutch Air Force. And then I won when I was 24, but I going to start from that bottom, right. you know, and uh, so uh, I uh, took $150 with me when I left uh, uh, Holland and then came to Vancouver and then couldn't speak the language, didn't know a soul, didn't have a job and uh, talked to a German fellow and told him what I wanted to do. He said, Prince George, that's where they're building pulp mills and sawmills mills is booming. a boom town. That's where you have to go. So I did. I went on the bus, came off the bus here a couple of blocks away from here. And, uh, you know, I had uh, 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 my suitcase. I had uh, uh, two sets of clothes. I had uh, three or four books in my suitcase. And uh, I had $25.47. But I was going to build a sawmill.
1: Okay. I want to go back to those books for a second, though. Did you ever read those books that you brought over? Because I remember reading in your book... You said you didn't actually read those books yet but
0: dose i did good <laughs> because the one was uh, and i i actually posted them i still have them all three of them good logical thinking in dutch and then uh, uh, management by drucker uh you know and and uh, but all in dutch and i read those several times because uh, uh, you know the again being adhd i don't read books usually right. you know but it takes something to get my interest. And then I will, you know. So, but it doesn't happen very often, you know.
1: I'm, I'm the same way. If it yeah. if it interests me, it's read. And about I'm a very fast reader, so yeah. yeah. I, I remember in in high school, Kelly Road. I went and grabbed the Pillars of the Earth because it was the biggest book in <laughs> the, in the uh, in the whole school. And I thought I'm going to see how fast I can read this. I think I got it done in two days. But I could typically read a book in a you know about four or five hours. So yeah, yeah. you know, you try to you know challenge yourself sometimes, but. Most of the time, it has to interest you, and I've been always the same way. If it didn't interest me, like in school, well, no, I didn't you want to do it. You
0: like, see, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, what yeah. we are really talking about is that uh, uh, I'm ADHD, and, yep. uh, and uh, I didn't know that until I was 57, and I came here, I was already in Prince George, and uh, when I was in Prince George, I went to a store on books on third and and for whatever reason, strangely, I opened up a book there and I looked in it, and and it said uh, "driven to distraction," and and I started reading it. It was about ADHD. I'd never even heard of it, and I thought, "Oh my God, that is me!" And and uh, you know, and I went through it and through it. Finally, the guy that owned the store said, uh, going to buy it or what you know so kind of thing <laughs> yeah. obviously I bought it but then I wrote in the book in Dutch now I finally know who I am and uh, you know so uh, and then from there and then I knew I was ADHD but it was a lot of stigma attached to it and uh, but I failed grade three yeah nobody fails grade three uh, you probably know some and
1: uh, hey I, f- I failed grade two because I missed it <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there but I mean still I understand. I had a hard time reading actually growing up. Me too. And when I was young I had a skull fracture, actually I had absent seizures till I was 8. Yeah. Look at me now. I mean you can you can do anything with your life and I think it's really important that you know you tell your story and other people tell their stories because there's amazing people out there and they have either disabilities that doesn't matter or they have ADHD or they have different different things and it actually makes them better people it makes them unique people it drives them they have different determination and there's so many good qualities in people it wouldn't be boring if we were all the same first of all so I do appreciate knowing all of these things about people and then realizing and learning them about yourself because it's nice to look at yourself and go oh exactly this is who i am and this is why yeah sometimes it, it's genetics sometimes it's parents and upbringing but yeah yeah so,
0: so i failed grade 7 three times and uh, then they said okay well you know the, maybe we should take him out of school send him to mentally challenged school or get him a job so fortunately, they got me a job, and then I became a furniture maker. And uh, and then I wanted to prove to myself that I can do it. So I uh, I wanted to build a lumber mill. I was going to build it in in B.C. I was going to start with nothing, and uh, you know. So I had this one here. I, like it. I had twenty-five dollars mm-hmm. forty-seven in my pocket, and uh, and then the other part that's important to me is attitude, passion, work ethic. But follows that is success. And, and then, uh, you know, so that's kind of how I started and uh, from the ground up and, uh, and the rest is all in the book Against All Odds. And, uh, you know, the, the, the book, I always say it took me 80 years to live it, 20 years to think about it, two years to write it. And since that one, and that is mainly about precisely the things you're talking about, Sarah, is saying that everything is possible. And uh, you know, and for me, it's important to talk about it, uh, including ADHD. And yep. uh, it took a while for me to talk about it because there's so much stigma attached to it. What am I going to do? Talk to the uh, banker and say I want to uh, lend money from you, but I I'm mentally uh, challenged. Yep. Then he would say, "Have a nice day." Right. So the so it took some time. Now, obviously, much more accepted. So I felt I had to write a book about that as well. And that one, I'm gonna give you a copy, Simon, for you awesome. before you go. Uh, you know, that's talking about ADHD and all the things around it. And I call it a superpower.
1: I, I, I think there's a lot of superpowers out there and I think that's actually probably one of them. You've seen some pretty there was a movie I watched recently and it was it was uh um, I'm trying to think of what, it, what, what the person would had and uh, they were just phenomenal and it just made them a better person and yeah there's some cool cool superpowers out there I, I have two quotes in life with your three mine are do more than your share and leave the world better than you found it and exactly. and I live by those too.
0: and I agree 100% so it's interesting with you in particular because you know your adhd i and uh and i know i uh, you know it took me when i read the book yeah. i was not it took me five years before i wanted to go to my dog yeah that i knew delivered my daughters and all the before i could go to him one day i walked into his office five years after i read it and he said uh, okay okay john why, why are you here i said uh I think I got ADHD, <laughs> so he said let's talk about it, and that's how he got di- diagnosed. But, but now more and more and more and more the stigma is disappearing, and saying okay, how can it's not a disadvantage? Nope. It uh, makes you slightly different, and uh, you know, and and uh, you know, and it's all good. It's a superpower, and how can you make it work for you and make it better? And that's why I wrote the book and uh, and wanted to make sure I did that you know so.
1: Well, i'm glad you did and i think it helps other people yeah along the way in yeah. their journey in life and i think reducing stigmatism on anything and i i mean i always tell people to you know we always get checked you, you know checked out and we go to the doctor we get a you know physical and but uh you know your 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 check you're supposed to get the check up from the neck up the sort of situation that's what they talk about and i think that's really important that people are are working on their mental health because so you know in this day and age it's really vital that you're 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 checking in with yourself, checking in with others and, and exactly. taking care of all of the things because if you don't have, you know, certain things, including your brain, you can't really function in life. So exactly. you really do need to take care of your, your mind and your body and your spirit in in a good way.
0: Yeah, and the other part for me what was important is that uh, you know, and against all odds, as you already know, because already you work part of the Book you have read. It's not about hurrah, hurrah, John, how successful he is. That's not what it is about. It mm-hmm. is against all the challenges and all the things that happen, still being able to stay the course and succeed. From that point forward, and success is not making uh, millions of dollars or anything like that. It's not about that. It's saying I feel, you know, I feel good about myself. You see, in the mornings when I get up. I'm usually uh, quite happy, and uh, I, I usually get up at five thirty in the mornings. I make my bed before I leave, always, and then uh, I go to work. And most of the times uh, at work, uh, you know, I, I enjoy my job.
1: I enjoy my jobs too. I, I wear a lot of hats in this province, and I do a lot of things. I don't know really why I do everything I do. I just just kind of sort of happened and then I, I realized I get a lot from my mother and her drive like my mom could build anything my mom could do anything she decided you know she wanted a Robert Bateman original and decided well I'll just paint it instead and do it myself so I get a lot from my mom but you know when I think about my drive and determination to make the world a better place or to do exactly. what I'm doing for my children or the community or you know just people as a whole because I see all of these things things like I'm on the Union of British Columbia Municipality Board I, this is my third year I just got put back on that board and right. I was president of the North Central Local Government Area Association I mean I was pretty young when I did all these things I'm now 42 right. um, and you know I'm now the president of the Northern Medical Programs Trust as of last week that I don't know how that happened and that you know like I just I say yes to things and I get yeah. things done and, and and I also work for United Way BC yeah. and uh, help people from Quinnell up. Um, age and place. I oversee all the programs, so I mean, I have a lot of hats and I do a lot of things to help people, and it it gives me a sense of purpose. I know one day when I leave this earth, I, I nobody will say, well, she didn't do a whole lot with her life. At least they'll say, you, hey, you know, she tried something and she <laughs> tried to make it work, and she hopefully hopefully I made somebody's life better because of it.
0: Exactly, I'm sure you will. You know, so the this morning I had a meeting with a number of people, I except from the Ministry of Forest, but uh, yep. because of all the things that are going on, so I did give them a tour of the mill and blah 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 and told them some of the things that i do and the one fellow said before he left said can i ask you one question i said well sure he said how are you doing all of this that you're doing <laughs> i said adhd <laughs> and, and is one and the other one i sleep fast
1: <laughs> well <laughs> I, was, I was i was telling you scott <laughs> when i was Coming up here, I was like, I don't sleep. Like I typically like go to bed around. Between, well, lately it's been actually worse uh, between two and three, um, and then I, you know, I'm up at seven, eight. It Depends, but yeah, I don't sleep a lot. Uh, I I don't really want to sleep though. I I really want to just
0: got so much going on.
1: Do more, you know, like, I'm like, there's things like, there's no time for sleeping. I can sleep when I'm dead. And I feel like people say that way too much, but I really do think that that's a thing with me. And I don't know why that I have that drive to always be awake and doing things. I mean, I just finished five years on the North Central Local. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking. I I just finished five years on the North Central Local Government Board. I was the president of the North Central Local Government, which is 70% the landmass. So, you know, I... I I missed that board so much, and apparently the regional district just put me back on that too. So I'm yeah, I, I'm yeah. busy, and then two kids and hockey and yeah, I, and and, then, and the
0: kids especially at that yeah. age is so important, right? As well, they they keep you busy, and obviously it's uh, it's beautiful, especially at that age, right? Well, and you, it, so quickly do they grow up, right?
1: Yeah, they're they're pretty busy kids. They yeah. always want to be doing something, and we're always out and you know, nature doing something too. And then I bought a Labrador. I'm not sure why I did that, but I, but she's a year old and she, I call her, her name's reign of terror. Um, she's the best, but we, yeah, we just, we always are doing something busy with our lives and, And you know, the community is busy too. Being a mayor is a full-time job. So you don't really like, especially in a small town, I will tell you, there's been some interesting scenarios and I'm pretty sure the mayor of Prince George has never got a phone call that says, Hey, Sarah, there's chickens all over the road or Hey, Simon, we'll go with Simon. Hey, Simon, there's chickens all over the road. We need chicken feed. I'm pretty sure he doesn't get those phone calls but i get those phone calls yeah, yeah. that scenario does yeah. happen those yeah. i've had some really interesting scenarios i mean there was cows all over the highway recently i i'm sure nobody got a phone call that was a mayor um for that one no, when that happened sure. but you know, like there's in small towns, you, you know, I don't have staff that write my, you know, speeches or or do my work for me. I do all of my own bookings, my hotel rooms, my nobody like answers a, my emails. Like I do like it all. It's like a
0: family show, uh, yes. Sarah, you know, that's what I think. You know. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, because you know, everybody, everybody knows you and they're relying on you that when things becomes difficult, then uh, you know that that is the extension of being a mayor.
1: Well, I think I also make myself very available. I yeah. run I run Heck yeah, Fraser Lake and you know people are like Sarah, when's the, you know, the skating schedule coming out or is there skate is there public skating tonight? Like they always know. If you don't know something, ask Sarah. She always knows the answer. So yeah. I think I've made myself you know, uh, well, maybe made a problem for myself cuz now sometimes I feel bad if I don't answer somebody right away. Yeah, they it's yeah. quite used to me being so Reactive, and I mean, it was really bad when the fires were in Fraser Lake. I have to tell you, I I, was—I think I was awake 24 hours a day, just trying to communicate, and because that was a big thing—communication for people—and and and I think that's why, probably, they like me in Fraser Lake because I'm good at communicating and and being friendly and open and kind to everyone, and I think that's important as a leader. Um, Not everybody does. You no. know, does things the way I do, and I don't expect them to. We all do but things differently. That's what but. makes
0: you unique, right? So, uh, in what you do, you love your job. You 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 have the passion that goes with it. It's just not a position for whatever reason, other than you, you have the deep feeling about you know uh, you know what you, what you have and taking responsibility. The other thing I want to talk to you about a little bit about uh, you know obviously that's uh, another reason that we are here today not here, you and me, because we <laughs> should do that, but but since we both are going to attend uh, later on, the meeting here at four o'clock, yep. and then the dinner uh, at 6.30 or so, I think, is that, uh, <clears throat> when I came here in, in uh, 1965, they were building pulp mills and sawmills and all the other things. Obviously then, and, and basically where I'm going with this is saying, about. Well, who is to blame for all of this, you know, yeah. if anyone at all, right? So, uh, uh, you know, that obviously the, in the early 80s, we had a spruce beetle attack in the Bowron region. And that, uh, you know, they had to take out a fairly major piece. They used to say, uh, you know, that you could see the clear cut from the satellites in, in, in the sky obviously that was dwarfed by what happened then later. What happened there is that uh, there was blow down in the Bowron region yep. since it was a park they could not do anything about it and again generated the spruce beetle. Yep. The uh, Obviously uh, we had a similar situation in Tweedmuts Park uh, you know when the pine uh, beetle started. I'm not saying that it would not have otherwise, but it right. did. And then from then on to major, major proportions, far beyond what I ever would have thought, or, uh, you know, that uh, where I fly a lot and uh, flying over these areas and then seeing all the different transitions from red to gray to dead. And uh, and then obviously having to deal with the forest, uh, change the forest and it's substantially would initially increase the amount to 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 kind of capture the economic value before it disappeared and uh and then obviously eventually there would have to be a readjustment to the annual allocation uh adding to that then part extraordinary fires and uh that happened uh I don't know uh you know the global warming obviously has things to do with it uh in my mind uh And then obviously uh, the deferrals and now the point that I'm making is that I think it is terrible Mm -hmm. that we're shutting down a pulp mill, but around the province we have already shut down six or eight pulp mills. Here is, with all due respect, I'm saying what took them so long? Because we got far too much capacity here, and we have shut down. If I look up north in Fort Nelson, there was a sawmill. Deadman is gone. McKenzie is gone. Then uh, looking uh, here, Paul Lumber that used to have a sawmill is gone. Netherlands Overseas is gone. Rustad is gone. Looking uh, further out west, uh, you know, the uh, in your area, a number of sawmills have gone. So it is no wonder. It's no one uh, thing. It's, it's just a matter of time because yeah. uh, you know that the fiber that is being used is residuals from the sawmilling process. We have shut down uh, or uh, 35 sawmills have closed down mm-hmm. in the last five to ten years and uh, I usually multiply is about four sawmills for a pulp mill and, uh, and do the math right and... Uh, and, and we will see that. So then it becomes, from my perspective, a question of what else can we do? What do we do now? And, and what I'm saying is what we do now, first and foremost, look at the midterm. It will take time to grow this forest. It will maybe be 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a lot to you and me. Yeah. But in terms of time, it isn't. Because I know that in the Baran region, when I had a little sawmill there, you know, just cutting wood that nobody else wanted, that was forty years ago. Yeah. And if you go there now, it's amazing how that forest has regrown, and uh, and uh, you know so. And this this province has the, an amazing ability to generate timber and, and fiber of um, extraordinary quality because of location and and all the other things that we have here so I believe that uh, you know that we must invest in the on, uh, on an intensive forest on the ground floor and to making sure that our timber has the right has the ability to grow and there is no reason in the world that we cannot, uh, uh, grow up to 40, 50, 60, uh, virtually double the amount of volume that we have now, which then would mean since the process is gradual, every five years, the Ministry of Forest looks at certain areas on a steady basis to make sure can we increase the annual allowable cut and it gradually will come back to what I believe will be the 60 million cubic meters and well beyond that if we, if we invest in the forest, on the ground base.
1: Yeah, I think we definitely have to manage our forests better. We need to be a little bit more reactive with the stumpage system as well. I think that would part be, it would help with some of the things that I've seen over the last few years, definitely. And there's there's just so many things that we could just do better because we could do things a little faster. We are too slow. When we have a forest that half burns, we're too slow to get in there and salvage what we can. We are too slow letting, you know, a lot of these damaged, um, trees, you know, these damaged forests, just letting them rot instead of getting in there and cleaning them up. And, you know, watching, you know, our area, you know, the moose populations were going down and then it's like you clean up an area and then it's like the rabbits and the grouse and the moose are repopulating and they're doing better and they're not being destroyed by the wolves because they actually can run through a forest now as opposed to what was there before. We forget about those things sometimes. And I really think that when, when we ask for an uplift and it's like yeah you'll find out three years later it's not you know we we can't wait when we have time we could be there's a lot of jobs that could be you know out there right now being utilized if we were a little bit faster on some of these things and I, and I use the stumpage system, as an example for some people like that don't understand how it works necessarily but when the sawmill you know west fraser i'll use west fraser as an example they said oh you know we we don't have we have to pay our bill but you know we've spent all that money in buying new sawmills, or we've we've done something different with the money now because we couldn't hold on to it, and so we don't really want to pay that bill now because it's been so far along. Then they go, well, oh, we want a handout. That's what happened when I first became mayor, and Horgan had just became, come into power, and and he was the first premier that ever came to Fraser Lake, and it was like everybody, all the all the all the sawmills were going, hey, help us out. We need we need help where we're going to lay off people, but they knew that bill was coming it's not like they didn't know that bill was coming but then they go and spend all their money so I think if the separate system you know was more reactive to the market like Alberta we would probably be doing better I think in BC and I hear that a lot
0: and I agree with you and that's even today when I met with the government and and then in my role at Kofi and uh uh, you know, then, uh, you know, and, and so I talk to government a lot. I hope yeah. to talk to the premier tomorrow and the opposition leader, mm-hmm. uh, probably podcast them. Yeah. Is But I will say this, and that I said this morning, the stump system yeah. is broken. It is. We must uh, make it more reactive. And then the other part uh, is that, uh, you know, we... We have to stimulate investment in further manufacturing, mm-hmm. value-added manufacturing. Yeah. You cannot have, in my opinion, and my friends, the big companies, uh, with all due respect, you know, we have five or six companies that have 75% of the AEC Uh, that, uh, you know, that means that they control it all if they have 75%. But it's more troubling about that is that they are not investing in BC. They have said we will no longer invest in BC, but you still have the timber. The timber in this province belongs to you and me, the people. Having access to timber is a privilege. And with that go certain obligations including the concept of pertency, saying that it should be further manufactured in the region, not only December, but also whatever else we can do in further manufacturing, making finished products, that's what we should be doing here. And we should make sure that that happens. What happens with secondary manufacturers now, I was quite involved in that uh, in the 90s already, and we had a small business program the timber would be made available to secondary manufacturers with problems with the system. But that ha- allowed them to negotiate with primaries. And, and, and then, because normally it is, okay, you want to have lumber or buy lumber from us, what have you got that we want? You know, and, and a lot of times that was not the case, that's it. I think that people that make meaningful investments and value-added manufacturing should have access to timber, so that they have done something that they can leverage.
1: No, that makes perfect sense. I think that we need to keep the money in BC. You, there's nothing worse <laughs> than you know a company coming in and not having any social responsibility at all to a community. They come in, they don't do anything for the community. They expect a lot because they want their workers obviously to have somewhere to live. And how do you attract uh, you know uh, qualified? workers to your community if you don't have everything that a community needs but you're not putting anything in from from the corporate side which is really important you're good at giving back some communities are not or some companies are not good yeah. at giving back to their communities and that is a problem it creates a lot of other problems as well because they come into the community they take what they need the resources and then they leave and they leave the community with nothing and that. That is hard to watch. Like I, I've talked about this a number of times about cooperatives. Can you imagine if these were cooperative sawmills that came into BC years ago and all the money went back into the communities and into the you know in into the area and stayed within BC as opposed to leaving BC, BC would be completely a different no question about different that. different community.
0: So what I'm saying is this, Sarah, that I believe that The communities, I had uh, a a podcaster, Joan Atkinson from uh, McKinsey, Uh, I will be podcasting the mayor of Houston and uh, and, and more mayors from around uh, uh, Northern British Columbia and saying they have to stand up, speak out about what they want because they have the power. Right now, what is happening really troubles me is that there was a recent announcement uh, uh, of BCIT that is investing $270 million at BCIT. Now, BCIT, I did a presentation there about a month ago, and my God, that place is big. And, and so for years, I've already suggested, uh, I'm, I, I help the College of New Caledonia, which does a fantastic job in the region here, all the satellites throughout yeah. uh, Northern British Columbia and uh, in saying, we have to invest in the center of excellence. Yeah. and uh, and And rather than putting all that money into BCIT, let's put it here in Northern BC. This is where the forest is. Ninety percent of the forest in British Columbia is north of Hope, yeah. and we're investing the money there. And what what uh, I I committed a million dollars to. Well, I first made sure that we got the building, the old uh, Canadian Tire building, and uh, you know, and and so my name's on it. You know, so that's yeah. great, you know. So, but but that's not what it is about. I think it was about. Uh, 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 Jobs training and uh, at that point I made a presentation, that must be 25 years ago now. I said it's not the fiber or the the raw materials that we have here for further manufacturing, it's not the location, it's not the transportation, it's not money that is available but will stop people from investing here is access to a skilled workforce. And and so if I compare that again to what they did at BCIT is they invested two hundred and seventy million and they made a big fanfare about it that uh, uh, you know the the big uh, lumber manufacturers, because although much of my friends they won't like this one either, uh, <laughs> that I'm saying <laughs> that they donated two and a half million dollars. Yeah. I committed as a small operator a million dollars to the centre of excellence. And uh, you know, and and I think we collectively have to stand up for those that are committed, including community, community leaders like yourself, like Joan, like Simon, like like here, and saying no, enough already. This. Uh, you know this will change you know so uh...
1: and there's a lot of advocacy going on with UBCM and NCLJ I mean I was really proud to be part of that because of those reasons because we are saying things like we need the money to stay here or we need the resource benefit alliance agreement I don't know if you've heard of that but that's a revenue sharing agreement from Vanderhoof over to help the revenue that's being made in the north come and stay in the north so we can expand our communities positively not all of us want to be large communities some of us want that smaller but we still want the amenities and the services, and you still need things, you know? So, you know, Fraser Lake's right now trying to get a hotel, you know, like there's things that we need. But
0: collectively be more than B.C.
1: Yeah, collectively what what we're seeing in the north, like... In my region, we're down 600 workers. We need 600 workers. Not that's not even including what Artemis Gold is going to need or the other, exactly. you know, mine that's going to need people. We need to yeah. retain and attract good quality workers. Right. And you know, we we have housing shortages, as I'm sure you know. Um, rentals, you know, they don't exist. Fraser Lake. I mean, our BC assessment just went up 23%. My house went up 27% uh, this year, which sounds great. Uh, But, you know, we're just getting back to where we were when we hit a major bump in the road when the mine closed. So, yeah, so we're finally getting back to where we were. But that's great for Fraser Lake. But you know, when I think of the region as a whole and the advocacy that we have to do to say invest in the north, because we are a lot, most of the taxation in BC comes from the north, and then it and, all goes to. And Vancouver. that's the other
0: part that I say. You know, when I sit here and saying, uh, you know, eighty percent of the GDP of the province of British Columbia is generated that's in right. Northern BC, and then I lose a, usually look over my shoulders and hey guys in the south don't forget about it you know but uh, but we have to speak out more about it i think the communities have to become more vocal about it and saying enough already you know so and uh and i think that probably uh, uh i hope to talk to the premier and to talk yeah. to the other ones and i will say that in my podcast that i do all the time is yeah. saying that uh, there's huge huge potential here and uh
1: there is especially if you want to relieve the pressure in the south and that's the angle i come at it there's no housing in, and you can't afford to work at London Drugs in Van- downtown Vancouver and have a million-dollar house. How do people even live down
0: And who, who down wants there? to live? There? Wants can you to? imagine? No,
1: why, you, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of people come from Vancouver or, you know, the Okanagan. They're selling their place for a couple million dollars. They're moving yeah. to Fraser Lake. That's why we have no houses, actually. They're moving yeah. to Fraser Lake, and they're going, you know what? I'm putting that money in my account, and I can be a snowbird. And that's what exactly. they can do in Prince George as well. I mean, the prices in Prince George have gone up a lot since I was a kid and lived here. But... You, you know, like there's some things that we're missing, including contractors for building houses. Like we, we need to start building and the exactly. price of lumber was a little too high to build at that time and finding contractors well, was tough, now. but we need people in those trades. Yeah. We need people to get to work is yeah. what we need in BC because I, I we agree. have a lot of potential here.
0: I agree. John, uh,
1: Mayor McKenzie.
0: Mayor. <laughs> Joan
1: Atkinson, yeah, she's yeah. she's awesome. Yeah, right. she she was
0: uh, very vocal about it, and uh, you know, and and again, very an inspiration. And yeah. so are you, uh, Sarah. Thank you. It was my pleasure.
1: Thanks for having yeah.
0: me. Yeah, thanks for being it's here.
1: Great to be here. Yeah.